houses wherein men have lived and died are haunted houses. Through the open doors, the harmless phantoms on their errands glide with feet that make no sound upon the floors. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow Greetings, creeps, and welcome to my podcast, This House is Haunted. Over the next several weeks, I'll be sharing my personal experience of having spent two years in a haunted house as a child in eastern Kentucky. Due to the spooky nature of this podcast, I recommend you keep the youngins under 13 out of the room while I take you into a world filled with things that go bump in the night. think there's any way for me to accurately describe the level of fear and trepidation I felt standing in the kitchen after the events of my first morning of school and seeing the ghoulish phantom beckoning me from the window. My heart was racing, my palms were sweaty, and it felt like the muscles in my jaw might tear from how tight my teeth were clenched together. Having just witnessed the largest gathering of crows in my short life, and still the largest I've ever seen to this day, just made the sense of foreboding palpable, like a rabbit's heartbeat once it sees the fox. You know you're in trouble if you run, and you know you're in trouble if you don't. So what's the answer? As a kid, I didn't have many options. I could continue trying to explain to my parents that what I had seen that morning was real and that we needed to leave this house and go somewhere else, anywhere else, and face the realization that the only other place we had to go was in the home of my terminally ill grandmother. My other option was to push my fear back into the furthest recesses of my mind so I could try to ignore the uneasiness that I felt every time I walked into the front door, saw the driveway, thought of the face in the window, and try to build a life in this new place with my family. Memories of Indiana and living on the lake where the wind tasted of ozone and evergreens and blackberry bushes littered the pathway we took to go swimming felt like some long-ago dream. Deep breaths. I was going to face this. My family had so much else to worry about that I didn't want to be added to the list. I sat my backpack in one of the chairs in the dining room trying to be inconspicuous as I searched the windows for any signs of a malicious figure, but saw only dappled sunlight dancing on the wood-paneled walls. It almost looked inviting with the light warming up the room. Almost. Tina, why don't you go on and get changed into your play clothes and see what your daddy's up to? Mama said nonchalantly as she rummaged through the kitchen cabinets to set about putting supper together. If the crows had bothered her, it seemed to have passed now as the routine of everyday life set in. She flipped on the radio and began pulling what looked like the beginnings of her famous meatloaf out of the fridge. It was about that time that my sister walked into the kitchen, eyes bright and jovial. 
She skipped over to me and tossed her short, chubby arms around my shoulders, pulling my blonde hair and making me wince. She kissed my cheek, her eyes shining mischievously. Lord knows nothing's good comes from a redhead who looks a little too happy to see you. My favorite sissy in the whole world, do you want to go outside and play with me? Here she batted her eyes emphatically, but the events of the day were still repeating over and over in my mind, and I wasn't in the mood to get into whatever trouble she was angling for. I pushed her arms down, saying, You're pulling my hair! I'm also really tired, Molly. Can't you go outside by yourself? Here my mother chimed in. None of y'all are going out on your own until me and your daddy have time to take a good look around the property. The folks we bought the house from mention there are abandoned mines and caves all over the hillside, and if you fall down one of them, who knows how long it would take to find you, if we find you at all. Visions of my little sister tumbling into a dark and dank cave might have been something I dreamed about when she was stealing my toys or blaming me for something we all knew good and well she had done. But I felt chilled at the thought of a person being swallowed up by the yawning mouth of the mountain. I thought of the thing I had seen earlier that morning and wondered if it had been something or someone lost to the earth, alone and afraid. I shivered. But my sister didn't seem to notice and she pressed. Come on, sis, if we go together, would it be okay, mama? She was once again batting her eyelashes, which wasn't doing much good since Mama was wrist deep in ground hamburger. If you go out together, you can go outside, but only as far as I can see from this window. If you go out of sight, it'll be the last time you get to go out without me for a long time, girls, and I mean it. My sister was elated, but I was still feeling drained from my roller coaster of a day. Molly, I really just want to lay down, maybe. She cut me off here. If you nap, you won't be able to sleep tonight. She knew the magic words to say, as all little sisters do, because my mother added, No naps, honey. You were up way too early this morning, so you need to stay up until bedtime so you aren't up wandering around so early. When your schedule gets shook up is when you start going for your night strolls, and I think we can all agree that our mornings start off better when someone isn't screaming the house down. I sighed, <sighs> resigned to the fact that I was being drafted into little sister duty. I guess, but I don't want to go towards the orchard. Those birds didn't look right to me. My sister frowned and tilted her head. What was wrong with the birds? Nothing if you don't mind having a hundred giant blackbirds. Crows, Mama said. Crows, I said. And I called back to her and continued. Flying around in a murder over top of your head, carrying on like you tried to take their birthday away. The crows murdered something? My little sister said, confused. Molly, come in here and Mama will tell you about the crows while Teeny gets her clothes changed. Thank goodness, I thought, because I didn't know how to break that one down for her. I walked into the room my sister and I shared in the center of the house and flipped the light on. I held my breath, half expecting to hear the scratching up and down the walls that I'd heard earlier in the morning, first in the playroom and then outside the kitchen window. But I didn't hear anything besides mom and sis talking.
Wayne was riding the bus home, and he wasn't here yet, and I thought I heard Mama had mentioned that Daddy was working down in the barn this evening, trying to get things ready for our livestock. I changed quickly, putting on a rugged sweatsuit that had seen, seen me through a few adventures, pulled on my old tennis shoes and coat, and walked back to the front of the house. My sister was listening raptly as my mom talked about the crows and how they had been known to leave trinkets and gifts to those they befriended. I want them to bring me stuff. I'm going to make friends with them, Molly said emphatically. I shuddered again at the thought of my tiny sister standing in the midst of all those crows, her little hand outstretched with seed and all those eyes boring intently into her. No, she wasn't going to make friends with those things as long as I was around. You ready to go out now? I said, my voice touched with the right level of older sister disdain and mild annoyance. My sister saluted me and laughed and said, Yes, Captain. I rolled my eyes and opened the front door, ushering her from the kitchen. Be back in an hour for supper, Mama called behind us. One thing... I said, walking to the side of the house. My heart was beating fast, but I had to know if the thing in the window had left any sign there. My sister trotted up next to me, talking loudly, which helped to calm me. It'd be hard for anything to get my attention over top of her. The sunshine also helped give me courage, and I continued my path until I was standing directly under the window. It looked so tall to me standing here. Whatever had been looking in had to be a solid six feet tall. If it was standing on the ground at all. Quit it, I thought loudly to myself. I didn't want to scare myself any more than I already was, but I had an active imagination that was both a blessing when it came to painting and storytelling and a curse when it came to filling in the blanks down the treacherous path of what if. I took a deep breath and looked down and saw, wait, was that a pencil? I noticed the purple unicorn design immediately as one that I had been looking at this morning. How did it get out here? I jumped when my sister put her cold hand on mine and turned furious at the intrusion. Are you trying to scare me to death? I growled confusion and fear giving my words an edge they normally didn't carry. Molly growled back, I was just checking to see if you was ready to go on up the hill. What's the matter with you anyway? She looked and saw the pencil lying on the ground. Looks like you dropped a pencil. She stooped down and picked it up without hesitation, but my mouth was gaping in shock that it was really there, and she had not only picked it up, but was holding it out towards me. My hands were shaken as I reached out instinctively towards her. My breath was jagged and coming out in great gulps. My sister, not understanding that I had never been in this spot and had certainly not carried my pencil out here beneath the window, looked at me with an eyebrow raised. It's fine, sissy. It's just a little muddy. Here, she wiped it on her shirt rubbing it in on the soft fleece on the inside so Mama wouldn't notice it right away when we walked back inside. She held it back up. See, almost good as new. As she stepped closer, I swatted the pencil from her hand. I don't want it back. It fell to the ground like any other pencil. No phantom hands catching it and forcing it upon me. 
just a pencil, just a pencil, a pencil I had at the table this morning, a pencil I had dropped on the ground as the nails scratched in the playroom, a pencil I had never brought outside of this house. Molly hollered indignantly, breaking my train of thought. You didn't have to slap my hand. I was just trying to help you. Her cheeks were ruddy as her temper flared. That one's for the crows, I said, trying to smile warmly, but probably only managing a sort of grimace. For the crows, she said, her temper halted by her confusion over me offering a a crow a pencil. Yeah, Mama said they'll bring us stuff if we leave stuff out for them, remember? I looked to the trees to see if the crows had returned, but the trees were bare and their silent watch over the mountain. My sister smiled again, forgetting the anger that had bubbled up only moments before. Ought to be a little one. Oh, yeah. That's a good idea. Next time, I'll bring out something. Maybe one of those friendship bracelets we made a couple weeks ago. I bet they'd like that, and maybe they'll bring us something nice, too. I was staring at the pencil again, trying to find some sort of scenario where it being out here made sense, but none came to mind. This house had me asking more questions in the last week than I had asked in all of my short life. Was I ever going to get any kind of answer living here? Come on, sis, I'm up here. I noticed I'd been standing there for a few seconds, long enough for my sister to make it a few feet up the side of the hill alone. I turned quickly and sprinted up beside her. You ain't supposed to go anywhere alone, I said, both annoyed and relieved to be putting distance between myself and the house. I ain't alone. You're right here, and Mama can see us easy-peasy from the window. I looked back and saw the light from the kitchen shining through the panes of glass. In that time, my sister had started her track back up the hill, stopping only to look at a gnarled tree that was several feet from the house. It was massive, with dark bark that appeared to be peeling off in great strips. It looked old, much older than the house, and it was well over 50. I caught up to Molly, and we both stared up in wonder as it seemed to reach halfway to the sky. There were no leaves on it this time of the year, and when the wind blew, the branches did not move as they were thick from all the years of growing in this mostly untouched parcel of land. My sister's voice cut through the stillness with a question. What's that? she said, pointing to a portion of tree directly in front of her. I stepped over and leaned in to find a thick, slowly trickling bead of liquid making its way leisurely down the tree. I think it's sap, I said, remembering a trip to a maple tree farm I'd taken in school. Maple syrup comes from trees, so maybe that's what it is? Well, I sure ain't gonna lick it. It looks dark and yucky. I looked closer and she wasn't wrong. Instead of being amber in color, the sap looked almost black. Probably a good idea, I said. I picked up a stick from the ground to do what all kids do in situations when they're faced with something weird in nature. Poke it with a stick to see what happened. 
After finding one long enough that I didn't have to get too close to the tree that seemed just as off as everything else on this godforsaken property, I poked it a few times, finding it too thick to penetrate and losing interest when I realized my sister had wandered away again. Molly, I shouted, thinking she couldn't have gotten too far away. It had literally only been a few seconds, which in hindsight might as well be three hours to a five-year-old. She was a marvel of a thing at hiding and jumping out in time to scare the bejeebus out of me. And normally, I would do the same thing. It was a kind of love language in our house. But living here had me off my game. So far, the house had been doing a good job of scaring me without me or my family adding to that. I walked to the other side of the tree and called up the hillside. Molly, get your butt over here now. I ain't in the mood for this. The edge of my voice was back with its friend Fear making an appearance as well. What in the seven layers of hell was she thinking wandering around in this place without me? After everything that had happened today, I called her name again, but the wind, now picking up, was distorting my voice a bit. It would be hard to tell where my voice was coming from if she had wandered away too far. I thought of Mama talking about falling in the caves and felt my blood go cold. No, she couldn't have gotten that far. She knew we had to stay inside of the kitchen window. She had to be hiding. I braced myself, walking in the direction of the orchard. The crows. I could practically hear her saying, Next time I'll bring out something, maybe one of those friendship bracelets. I really didn't want to go over there. But that seemed like the most likely place she'd end up. Dang it. Why had I said I was leaving a present for the crows? She wouldn't have thought twice about them if I hadn't said something. Fuming at myself for putting ideas in her head, I walked quickly towards the orchard. I was on guard, listening for anything that might give her away. When I thought I heard someone talking quietly somewhere close, I stopped walking, so the loud sound of the leaves crunching under my feet would stop and make it easier to focus. She had to be close. I looked around and saw I was about halfway to the orchard. I listened intently and heard nothing for several seconds besides the swaying of the trees and the wind until there it was again, a soft voice whispering. It was difficult to make out what was being said. There was a steady stream of sound now as if it was getting closer. I looked around, trying my best not to disturb the leaves, afraid that the sound would disappear and I wouldn't find my sister. Molly, I shouted again, and the whispers abruptly stopped. This is not funny. We gotta head back to the house. It's time for dinner. The air felt colder with each passing second, and I pulled my coat closer, still looking along the tree line for any signs of my sister. The wind suddenly stopped, and the trees became still once again. I was breathing very quickly now, worried about my sister and also realizing I was standing alone on the hillside when the whispering began again, this time much closer and sounding as if someone was walking quickly around me in circles. 
I turned looking for any sign of a person, hoping that maybe my daddy had come up to find me and my sister to tell us it was time to eat, but I was still alone. I began to back down the hillside and the voices followed, the volume going up and down like I sometimes did my brother's radio to annoy him. In and out, up and down, the volume teeter-tottered. My brother wasn't here now. I wasn't in a car. I was standing alone in the woods and voices were all around me, whispering. What were they saying? What were those words? I didn't care enough to stand there. I turned now and ran as fast as I could down towards the house. The sun was setting and shadows were everywhere I looked. The voices were louder and closer, almost pressing down my back as I ran. I would have to get Mama and Daddy. They could help me if I see us. I had to get away from these voices before they got close. And here I tripped on what I believe was a tree root and tumbled several feet until rolling unceremoniously to a stop. I gasped. The wind knocked out of me as I had been moving at a pretty good clip. I scrambled to stand, mud streaking my clothes and covering my hands and shoes. Leaves clung to my hair and I pushed it back out of my face, breathing in shallow gulps. I listened for the voices but didn't hear them, thinking it must have been the wind tricking me after my long day. I slowed to catch my breath, wincing a bit. I looked at my elbow and my jacket was torn and dirty and I thought I must have banged into a rock as I fell. While surveying the damage, I got the feeling that something was near me. You know the feeling you get when you're standing in a room that you know is empty because you're the only person home, but you get the sudden urge to turn all the lights on and race to your bed and pull the covers up? Yeah, that was the feeling. I wasn't waiting this time, I thought, shuffling my way into a running position, when a loud, gritty, and almost mewling voice shouted directly in front of me, Run! Run! It repeated again with the same intensity. Run! My brain kicked on and my eyes widened and I did just that. Run, don't think about it yet. Just run. I didn't love to run like most kids, choosing instead to meander and explore in a leisurely pace, but I ran like the devil himself was on my heels now. I didn't pause to think about the fact that I had not seen the lips that had said the words, but had felt the cold breath of my cheek as the words were shouted. I don't remember making it to the house. The world passed in a blur of trees, and tears of terror were streaking my cheeks. The word run echoed in my ears long after the voice dissipated. As I turned the corner of the step onto the porch, I ran full speed into my sister, knocking her flat on her back, her eyes going wide either with shock of what had just happened or the sight of seeing her sister barreling around the corner looking like she'd been in a knockdown drag out with a tree. Before either of us could say a word, Mama was there fussing over us. "'What in the world are you girls doing?' she said, squatting down next to us, immediately checking us over for any major injuries. She must have been satisfied and went to settling us down. My sister was crying now and looking at me with a hurt expression. All I could think about was the voice I heard. "'Run. Run.' 
I had been told to run. The only problem was, had I run the right way? Well, 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 creeps. We've made it through another episode. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to listen to my podcast. I know there are thousands to choose from, and it makes my spooky little heart happy that you took the time to listen to my story. Add in the fact that I'm brand new to podcasting and doing all this as a one-woman show, it just means the world to me that you're here. I'm sharing my personal experience of having spent two years in a haunted house in eastern Kentucky, and I'm also enjoying the opportunity to continue the Appalachian tradition of oral storytelling. It sure would mean a lot if you would take the time to give me a rating on whatever streaming service you're using to get my story to your ears. You can also find the This House is Haunted podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And if you give us a follow there, you'll get behind the scenes things and also the opportunity to engage with other folks who are into the podcast and and like to talk about all things spooky. My hope is to use those social media outlets as a way to connect with folks who not only like the show, but have their own experiences with the paranormal to share. You're also welcome to catch me on a podcast I co-host called Beyond the Paranormal Podcast, which is an interview-based show where my friends John, Ree, and I talk to a plethora of folks in the paranormal community about their experiences. Until next time, friends, keep it creepy and don't go chasing any voices you hear in the night.